Mike Gravel has dropped out of the 2020 race, saying that he never wanted to be president anyway. Well, thanks a lot, said both of his supporters. <laughs> a Brazilian gang leader escaped from prison by dressing up as his daughter who came to visit and walking out instead of her through the main door. Afterwards, the prison decided it wasn't good, a good idea to keep showing inmates reruns of Three's Company. Responding to the characterization that he's a racist, President Trump tweeted that he is the least racist person in the world. Because when I think of all the people in the world, I list them in the order of how racist they are. And yeah, when I'm working my way up to the top, I go Pope Francis, Dalai Lama, then Donald Trump. Definitely the least racist. (laughs) The Empire State Building has been lit up orange to raise awareness for gun violence. So... Turns out there is something even less effective than thoughts and prayers. Mm. Joe Biden has said that gun owners should be worried because he's coming for assault weapons if he's elected president. And he has the track record to back it up. Early in his career, as you may remember, he led the federal ban on catapults, crossbows, and battle axes. (laughs) (laughs) President Trump mistakenly named Toledo as the location of one of the shootings, and Joe Biden mistakenly, mistakenly named Houston and Michigan as the locations. You know what? Okay, fine. One more slip up and I'm not going to vote for a senile old man. And finally, Mm -hmm. when President Trump was informed that he mistakenly identified Dayton as Toledo, he reportedly responded, what's the difference? I don't give a shit about either place anyway. The Trump Report starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes, welcome to The Trump Report. That's right, The Trump Report, except no substitutes. I'm Christian Blatt, joined, as always, by our illustrious panel, Tamara Brown. Hello. And Scott Moore. Hey, guys. Chelsea Galicia on assignment. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, she's literally tied Bad up in Dad, court. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, just, you know, I mean, you would think. I Actually, I think she's at a Marianne Williamson fundraising <laughs> event. I'm almost positive, but she'll let us know next week where she was. So full of love. Obviously, so yes. Obviously, there's, uh, there's never a shortage of things to talk about, and uh, it would be difficult to not start off talking about the most recent, uh, I believe... I don't have the number in my head. There have been, I think, there have been 200 shootings this year, and, and people will quibble about least, what can, right. constitutes a, a mass shooting or not. But that's not the point. The fact that it might even be 250, might be 200. Hey, even you know, 10, whatever it is, it's too many. So we do want to start off talking about that, and you know, we're probably going to talk about it for most, if not all, of the show. And I definitely want to get both of your reactions to what you thought. You know when you hear about it, and for me, when the the news started coming to the second one, I just assumed they were referring to the first one because they happened fairly close together. Uh, but you know, it, it, this we try to have this be a largely lighthearted show, and this is uh, possibly the least lighthearted mm-hmm. topic. Let mm-hmm. us know in the chat if you can think of another one, please. But uh, I, <laughs> I actually I think it, actually don't because <laughs> I don't think I could handle yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I was like, I don't know if we want to hear what they could think is worse. What? Somebody in the chat wrote feline AIDS. Come on. Uh. That's terrible. But no. seriously, I wanted to uh, just sort of just more general conversation and then we can go into some of the specifics and the headlines that tie into this. But uh, Tamara, you first, uh, you know, specifically these these latest shootings, but you can certainly talk about this topic in the, the broad sense, you know, as, as it happens, unfortunately, so often. 
what do I feel? Yeah. Um, I, you know, immediately felt, I guess, here here we go again. Like, we're all going to see the same frustrations. Um, as, as futile as posting anything on social media is, I think a lot of people feel that, like, that's their only outlet. They need it for the sake of therapy or just getting emotions off of their chest. And some people still post thoughts and prayers, and then people get angry, saying thoughts and prayers right. are completely useless. It's not helping anything. People say this is what we need to change. Other people immediately post anger at the other side. Right. Um, you know, I... I, like a lot of people, my uh, Facebook is just an echo chamber, so I'm mostly seeing posts that I agree with. But I have uh, delved into like read these super long threads because I do want to see what you know people on the other side have to say. Um, and you know, it's just it's nothing's going to be resolved on social media, but it just makes me eager to have a conversation. But those. I wish I wish that I almost today messaged one person and said like, "Can we meet for coffee and talk about this?" Right. And then you were like, "Wait, it's going to make me hate coffee if I have this kind of uh, conversation." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, there's uh, a, a lot of what you said. I think is uh, what a lot of people feel, and I think when the elected officials and people in positions of power are quick to say their thoughts and prayers. I can see that being frustrated when there are just average citizens who put it out. That annoys me when people get mad at them. It's like, well, what else are they supposed to do? You mm-hmm. know, they're just like, what, el- what else can they say? They're like, oh, this makes me really sad. So, but yeah, it's it's tough to comment on any of these things on social media because, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, I want to say something because I'm so upset about it. Mm-hmm. But then right away you'll have people and... This is uh, certainly across the political spectrum. You're going to annoy people uh, of regardless of their opinion by posting anything. But before we delve into any more of that, uh, Scott, just sort of a, a general reaction to uh, what we heard over the weekend. Um, well, I mean, it was it was sickening. It was sad. It was it was heartbreaking, and it's scary. Um, you know, my friend had posted actually last week before this latest round of, of shootings, and you know, had taken a picture at Walmart when she was you know going to back to school shopping for a kid and they had a line of bulletproof you know uh, backpacks and <gasps> yeah no. for kids yeah and, it's and, actually a, it's a story we have but i'll let you explain and it and that alone before this latest round was heartbreaking enough to think that we as a society are just have let this 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 go to the point now where it's just become commonplace like we are like people have been saying domestic terrorism that's where we are now as a country and it's almost like we're not at a peacetime country here we're you know, having these warlike things with warlike guns that should have never been allowed. And I think at, at this point, we're so far gone into the allowment of guns and all different types of guns and weapons that to be able to reverse the process now, it should have happened, you know, 50, 60 years ago. And the fact sure. that it's gone this long means no matter what kind of gun legislation we do, um, it's going to be very difficult to, you know, basically put the, the gun genie back in the bottle. And um, th- there's a lot of things we can do, um, but it takes it's going to take everyone to come together. And at this point, you know, we're so divided, like you were saying, Tamara, that, you know, people already get into their corners and to their sides and you get the thoughts and prayers and, you know, gun control now, you know, and then nobody's really listening to each other, especially in this hyper-partisan social media climate. And uh, so it was just a really, like... Sad thing to think we're just going to keep repeating it and thinking that yeah. y- you could go out anywhere now. You've seen schools, malls, places of worship, 
stores. There was that that food festival in Gilroy, the, exactly. The, fairs, home, the garlic home in California, movie yeah. theaters, and you know, and it's just very scary because it should be you should be able to feel that you can go out and do your everyday errands and and everything without having to worry about being killed uh, just to go out and do. And, and so that's what's really scary and sad that we're at a point in our country. Where, more there, there's that that risk, inherent risk, just to go out the, you know. Yeah, and, and all these things are terrible, obviously, but you know, and it's one of those things that you shouldn't have to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. But the the one in Gilroy, they had security in place, but uh, the shooter uh, was able to kind of what I think like cross a little river and go and mm-hmm. cut a hole in a gate. So you know, it, you're it, that's that feeling of like, oh, even when you think you're safe, you're actually not. You know? Right, and you had yeah. really tight gun control here yeah. in California, but he got the weapon in Nevada and. You you know, you don't have a yeah. hard border between Nevada and California to stop weapons from coming in. You know, so yeah. it, it's it's like we have restrictions here, but you find ways to get around the loopholes, go to Nevada, Arizona, wherever, and get it instead and bring, you know, bring well, the weapon over. And Yeah, and yeah. what you were talking about, you referenced the uh, Bulletproof Backpacks, which is a, a story that I was reading earlier today. And they are selling incredibly well, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, kids that are quoted in them are just like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to help, but I'd rather have it than not. Yeah. And they're like $200. Yeah. And so in the space of 50 years, we've gone to uh, – I, re- I remember a clip that this was – see, this was a joke, and now it's like a reality. We're actually selling this. There was a, 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 a bit from the old Smothers Brothers show literally 50 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Dick Smothers is dressed up in basically like riot gear with a bulletproof vest and a helmet, and Tom's like, well, where are you going? I'm going to college. Big laugh from the audience because Kent State had happened. But now it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're probably not safe in in that riot helmet because that's that's just the reality of the situation. And, you know, it's I, I legitimately believe the majority of people who say that something needs to be done and the majority of people can't do anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. there's well you know collectively 535 people could do something and then there's there's some more you have governors and things like Mm -hmm. that but i mean those those are ones that you can point to immediately that could do something about it and i think that as terrible of a situation as this is unfortunately it's the one that kind of best illustrates how intractable everybody's position is you know this is an issue where it's like well obviously we have to get rid of assault rifles assault weapons and a lot of people agree with that now what i think they're not willing to do is like well the people who say let's not get rid of assault rifles just tell us why and we're not going to agree but i want to know this is sort of what you were talking about tamara but i just wanted to have the conversation why do they feel like it's not important i mean sorry why do they feel like it is important to not get rid of them because you certainly don't need it for hunting you know, and I, what's the re- I need to defend myself against the government. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, look, those are reasons. And I do, I understand the argument whether I agree with it or not, that they feel like once you start getting rid of some guns, right. then Where's it, the line? It, yeah. right, right, and right. it's an example I've used on this show before that is something that we don't necessarily think about, but a good example would be New York City. About 30 years ago, they outlawed smoking in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then that's a city that did away with trans fats and wanted to do taxes on sugary drinks and so that you know these are these are trifles comparatively mm-hmm. but that's an example of where you see like once you kind of let the one thing go then they start pushing you know this agenda and I, that that's of course an example where i feel like chelsea would be like well obviously people shouldn't be drinking sugary drinks but that's for the government to decide and i don't know i don't trust the federal government to do much of anything so it, it, you know what can be done on the state level and I was impressed that the Republican governor of Ohio is just seems to be like 
And yes, of course, politicians say a lot of things that they don't necessarily have to follow through. It's at least encouraging. It's not something that you hear that often, you know, is somebody at least, yeah, we really need to do something now. And go ahead. Sorry. No, but I was going to say at least it, it just cannot be a state issue it, yeah. it, because of the patchwork. It has to be federal because, as you saw, Nevada and Arizona have lethal sure. gun rights. So you bring it over to California. You need to right. have something that's consistent for everybody. And I understand the side of, of that fine line of, well, if you're taking away assault rifles and you're taking away certain num- amounts of ammunition you can have in a magazine, like where's that where's that line? But I think there 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 is an opportunity to have that discussion and find something of, of the compromise of where that line is. And, you know, people always talk about, you know, wanting to protect themselves against the government. But I have news for them if, if you know, the government was to invade. With the type of weapons that we've used now and the amount of money we give the Pentagon year in and year out, yeah. both Democrats and Republicans, if there was some kind of government takeover or something, your assault rifle is not going to stop. No, I mean, them. they have tanks. So, I mean, look, you know, I, I, I ask, just, ask the people of Nagasaki how they I, feel I, about what the American government's capable of. So that's of. why I, I, I find that just a, a, a weak argument. And the Second Amendment is not what it was intended for today when the Second Amendment came out. And it's, it has a whole different meaning. And that's the thing. People get so caught up on that. Um, and I understand if you start messing with the Second Amendment, then people are going to say, what about the First Amendment? You know, where's that line as well? However, it had a whole different purpose than what it's being used today to justify having all the stockpile of weapons and ammunition and, and things that are just not necessary in the civilian sure. life. The other argument that I see back and forth is somebody will say, we need to ban assault rifles. And then the person's like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not assault rifles. You can fire off a round with a pistol. If you have the proper magazine, okay, then let's ban bump stocks. Or, or the person will right. say... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Like, don't get caught up on the terminology of a gun by saying we need to ban the ability to go, uh, 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 you know, yeah. like fire off, you know, 30 rounds in, in 10 seconds, you know. Yeah. And, and and the other argument I hear from people, too, about having gun rights is that, like, oh, well, people can do knife attacks and hammer attacks and run people over the cars. And I'm like, but the purpose of a gun is solely to maim and kill. You have knives for other purposes. You have hammers for I mean, other purposes. There's practical you have cars uses for, for dynamite. Other you know, I mean, there's there's all sorts of uses for things. And th- there is, but there's multiple uses. But a gun's purpose is just to maim and kill. It's not to use to put nails into a house and, or use, right. you know. And, and so th- there, and that's there's why, a difference to me. Like these, yes, these assault rifles. It seems like well, I don't understand why anyone needs them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if soldiers need them, then I, I guess that makes sense. But. And again, it's just people seem to not want to, and, and also, not want to talk about it. I just, I just don't personally understand. And this, you know, to be fair, I'm not a gun person. I don't have any interest in them, and I don't right. own any guns, so it's hard for me to put myself in your shoes. But the the uh, the people that I do know who are super into their guns, it's like, okay, so your assault rifles fun. If it were mm-hmm. me, I would gladly give up a hobby if it saved one life. So, yeah. Y- and then you can make it an issue, but it's my right to have it. And it's like, well, again, I think I would give up a hobby even though it's my right to do that hobby if it should potentially save one life. Yeah, I mean, look, the uh, founding fathers uh, believed in all sorts of rights. I mean, we know uh, who owned slaves and who didn't. Right. You know, I mean, they look very different times. And mm-hmm. to uh, your right to bear arms and form a, a well-regulated militia, you know, I mean, it's very specific language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that isn't appropriate for today. But I, I do understand that this is an important issue, and it is very difficult to, you know, promise any kind of action. And, and you can 
of course you can blame Republicans all you want, but I mean, we had a, we've had mm-hmm. democratic presidents with democratic congresses and also not gotten it done. And, you know, it's, it, so yeah, you can, you can say one party is more at fault than the other if you like, but neither party has really done much on it. I mean, uh, you know, Bill Clinton had the Brady bill and for me, that's the one piece of legislation that I remember. And the assault, assault weapons bill right. in 94. That, right. That's why well, I thought those were at the same yeah, time. Yeah. That, yeah. That, so that, that, that had part of yeah. that, but they, they did sign that. But so we're talking 25 years ago, something happened, and I don't know how much of that's actually still in place. No, I, I, the, the assault yeah. weapons expired, and that's, right. again, while you, you can also see the correlation, and not necessarily that it's connected, but the amount of assault weapon, you know, killings and everything and, and these mass shootings has gone up exponentially, and, and then, as we've seen, they've continued to gone up exponentially since 2016. Yeah. More and more and more, we've just, you know... So, you know, trying to figure out a way to get uh, regular people to talk about it is hard enough. Uh, elected officials, look, you, you always have enough of them who will, who will say things. I think that if this issue is really important to people, then that'll factor into their decision making on Election Day. But again, that's so far off. And I, I I shudder to think about how many shootings we'll have between now and then. And what is the point where people are motivated? And, you know, I, if, if you're really in favor of not having any kind of ban, then you need to basically explain. You don't have to, but it would be great if you could explain why. And then it's like, okay, so here's where we are. Here's our differences of opinion. Is there any ground where we can compromise? And you always hear people say like, well, you know, with the background checks or banning this or that, the criminals are going to always get the guns. I'm like, sure, but just make it harder. Right. You know, it's like, if you make it harder, somebody, you know, sure, some people are going to still get them. Like I said, the the guy in Gilroy, California went around the security and he got in. He was determined. But you're going to have people who are like, oh, they're not going to sell me that gun. All right. And I, I don't know what they're going to do with that rage that they have. But... At least make it more difficult. Yeah, let's focus the conversation on permits and and insurance. You right. know, like there are levels to driver's license. You can't operate an a, a 18-wheeler without a right. certain type of driver's license. So there should be certain levels. And you can't have a car without having car insurance. And it should be the same, same thing, thing with for a, with gun, your gun with insurance. If you you know, and and there are certain things you can do. The other the other thing is that you know, there's a lot of multi-pronged things that we haven't done yet. Yes, make it as hard as possible. Yes, take some of the money out of, of politics because of these uh, members of Congress and you know everyone else that has money from lobbyists and NRI and other areas where they feel beholden to these people. So if you take the money out, then people can maybe hopefully vote with more of their conscience. That's a bigger issue. Um, but of course, this should also, and I've said this every time something like this happens, it should be bringing up the importance of having mental health coverage for everyone. And the fact is that Again, you could say Republicans or one party is worse than the others, but when you have Republicans also trying to strip away insurance, we should yeah. be trying to make insurance more accessible to everyone. To And that's why we were saying, like, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, why are we giving it to illegal immigrants and things? It's like the more people that can have basic coverage that we all agree is a standard, the healthier we are as a society and a community. And if, if we can get people that help, that mental help, that's one prong if we can work on making Gun restrictions, making it more difficult, that's another. And then finally, if we can get some of the the big money out of politics to help people from being in the back pocket of these lobbyists, that also helps. And those are some of the things that we can do and that we collectively can do bipartisan that, you know, will take some courage from some of these politicians. But that's that's at least a start. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that is. See how we just solved everything? <laughs> yeah, we just figured it out. I but mean, it's an easy it it's, it's, it's a start. There's multiple layers, and, but it, that's some of the things we can yeah. do that, that most people agree with. Right. And President Trump was quick to mention that there is a standard line about, you know, it's not a, a gun problem, it's a mental illness problem. And I think a lot of people will say, like, well, yeah, it's both. It, you know, I think mm-hmm. you're, you, can't discount, it's, you can't discount that because, you know, the idea that it's mental illness or it's video games or violent movies, and I I forget who made the point. Uh, I saw somebody make this point. Look, all these other countries right, have mental illness <laughs> mm-hmm. and they have the violent video mm-hmm. games and they have the movies and they don't have the same problem because mm-hmm. they don't have the the access to mm-hmm. to guns and 100%. to war weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, even in, in Canada, they they don't you know they uh, you're able to have I guess like hunting rifles, mm-hmm. but uh, they 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 don't have the the same laws. And as, as I pointed out, for health insurance, it's a much smaller country. Sure, but it's it's at least something to look at and go like, well, yeah, see, they they don't have the same laws. So, but Europe, uh, you yeah. know, and it, 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 you just don't see the same issues that that uh, that we have here. So you can't say just mental health, and you can't blame video games. That's a scapegoat. You know, you can blame people with their rhetoric um, as well because that uh, allows people to have an outlet. Um, and and we've seen this president who claims his mental health also, you know, use the bully pulpit to talk about rhetoric, which may make people feel there's more of an allowance to uh, do certain acts. Um, and, and so, you know, he, he keeps talking about unifying and Kellyanne Conway is like, oh, unify, but where have they been the last uh, two and a half years? They've been doing the opposite of, of trying to divide everybody and have very angry rhetoric that, you know, gets built over time and allows people to have uh, sort of thoughts that might agree with that to feel that they have a little more leverage now to be able to do certain despicable acts. Right. And then when it comes to these shootings in particular, you know, I never like to talk about the the shooters in general. And mm-hmm. I know you're supposed to say alleged shooters. But if you think that this is a news source where we need to do that, mm-hmm. you're clearly not paying attention. But I think it's an important part of the conversation to have is that people make assumptions about the ideology of people who do these shootings. And the El Paso shooter certainly fit, fits a, a, a preconceived bill. But I mentioned the Dayton shooter because he described himself as a leftist who hated Trump, wanted Elizabeth Warren for president, mm-hmm. was pro-gun mm-hmm. control. And uh, you know, this is all stuff from his own social media. So this isn't just like his neighbor said it. These are statements that he made. So... I think that you can, again, you can point to an ideology for being, you know, for encouraging these things more, but also, you know, it's it's not limited to that. You know, I think that uh, there are people who are going to feel this way, and this is how they're going to react to whatever their perceived problems are. I mean, the, the shooter in El Paso w- went to the Walmart ahead of time and, and basically did reconnaissance and canvassed. He was looking for Mexican people to go back and shoot. That's a very specific mm-hmm. uh, viewpoint. This this is a little different why he shot, where he did. You know, That's the stuff I don't usually care about. But his background is interesting only in the sense that it's like, okay, it's not always like this kind of person. You can, you can say it's more than when it's not. But I don't know what the answer is to that. Is it... And, go uh, ahead. Which one's still alive? One one, the one was from, killed. The one from uh, Ohio, uh, yeah, right. Uh, from yes, yeah, right. One from Dayton. So yeah, the, the the quote leftist. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. well, the self described yeah. leftist. Yeah. You know, this again. It, he, it's his words, so that's why I find it to be mm-hmm. interesting. And and you know the. Uh, 
you know, I think people are quick to say like, hey, uh, you know, all Trump supporters uh, aren't like this. And like, no, I know that. And I know that all Elizabeth Warren supporters are certainly not like this. But the fact that that's how he described himself, it really stands out. I think liberals, people on the left need to absorb that this shooter was posting all of the things that a lot of us share and retweet and stuff like that. Like it's in order to make strides and, you know, being less divided, like we need to accept when somebody this don't just write it off as like, well, that's just an exception to the rule. It's like the anger on either side is going to continue to spur um, extremists on either side, well, and I and and that's why I said earlier it's it really is a bipartisan thing. But to come back later and say oh we need to unify when some of the highest leaders in the land have been promoting this dividing is is wrong. And and I only mentioned that the fact is that in the El Paso situation, when you have a president, because again, the president is sort of above the political fray in the sense that this is supposedly the president for everybody. But when you're constantly doing divisive rhetoric, Mm -hmm. you do get both sides upset and you are a president. So it's not like a campaign for, you know, a presidential candidate. It's at a different level. And when you're using that bully pulpit to divide, Mm -hmm. that will get both sides angry. But that's why I said earlier, we need to have bipartisan agendas to compromise on some of these issues. But you can also come back and expect and, and tweet and say, we need to unify when you yourself have been doing this horrible divisive stuff for two and a half years that's been absolutely hideous and allows this sort of bad behavior to fester and multiply because you yourself are doing it every single day. He said, you know, uh, imagine if Bush said to Obama, Mm -hmm. you caused Sandy Hook because of the things that you said. And it's like, well, he couldn't have said, I mean, he just doesn't, he 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 can't comprehend when he's, he's, yeah, Obama doesn't (laughs) never pitted people against each other and singled groups out to be the target of all of our problems and things like that. Like, Well, yeah, I mean, he never characterized a specific group of people as invading the country, and that's a narrative that Mo- is The word invading constantly. Like, yeah, go back to your shithole countries and go to, you know. Yeah. It, 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 the point is, is that it, I would have given Trump a lot more respect if he said, I myself, along with everyone else, need to be better about how we talk about things even if you yeah. wanted to blame other people again because he always has to if he would have included himself in there i would have given him some respect but the fact is he cannot do that and i'm sure that there are a lot of republicans after this especially knowing that the suburbs that have moderate republicans and moms and other people that are have been very uncomfortable with him to begin with are probably afraid that that these people the moderates and independents are going to leave republicans in droves in the suburbs and i'm sure there are a lot of republican uh office holders that are actually probably hoping Trump loses because they don't have the balls to, you know, speak up against him, but they might feel better to have someone, a a president in the opposition party, instead of having to continue to defend Trump's inept policies here on and here out. And and so there's probably a lot that are probably hopefully secretly hoping he loses next year. Right. And that's specifically something that I was reading earlier today. I think it was a Bloomberg article that I saw linked from, uh, I think from the Dredge Report, which is this idea that the gun control issue is something that is going to be very difficult for Republicans in the suburbs. You know, obviously there's going to be states where it's never going to be a problem, right. but it's uh, something that they, they certainly will need to think about. And well, obviously and, and healthcare, which were the two main right. issues in 2018. And if those are going to be the two main issues going into 2020, 
and the economy has any kind of dip, then Republicans are going to really have a hard time, especially in the suburbs. And that goes to red states, too. That's in suburbs of Houston and yeah. Dallas and Atlanta and Birmingham and Nashville. You know, you, you talk about all that, that, that it, it won't take too many votes to flip a lot of states. So they should be concerned. Yeah, I mean, I, as as razor thin as a lot of those margins were in 2016, you know, I mean, Trump talks about all the time that he won. And yes, Sure, you know, less people cast ballots for him, but yeah. still, he, he look, he won, he he won the way you needed to win, which right. was you know the electoral, they, college. The electoral college, and it's not like all of those were resounding victories. I mean, Scott and I were here that night, mm-hmm. and it was like you know forty five point seven percent to forty five point six seven percent of the vote, you know, going different ways and that sort of thing. Right, and we saw Michigan, we saw Wisconsin, yeah. we saw Pennsylvania all flip to the Democrats in, in twenty eighteen, and those were the states that had been in the Democratic camp for president going back to the eighties. And then you see Florida, how it's always perennially close. And if those four states flip, then it's it's already I done mean, for but him. Be, be that as it may, the thing that makes me it could, like let's let's say let's say Trump doesn't get a second term and we get a Democrat in the White House. There's still such a large percentage of people that were for him and for his policies and for you know like it's. It, it, it's not like um, I, I don't think I'm going to feel a wave of relief when my if my party if my party should take back the White House. Sure, but I, I, bet, you'll, I, I bet you'll feel, I say you'll feel better than if it goes the other way. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. that's definitely true. That's definitely true. But it's like it's like the 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 root of the problem is still there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, to get back to sort of the the tone and the you know the sort of the ugliness that's coming from both sides. One thing I wanted to make sure that we talked about is uh, someone that we uh, talk about disparagingly on this show a lot, uh, Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, one point to make about Mitch McConnell, uh, but the one that I want to start with was the uh, protesters outside of his house and one of them uh, calling for somebody to stab in his heart. And I don't like Mitch McConnell, but mm-hmm. I, I'm like, that's not helping anything. No. Like, no. you know, also you made a great advertisement for Mitch McConnell. It's right. like, this is what mm-hmm. they say to me, you yeah. know? Uh, so, you know, that specifically, but, and no one deserves to be characterized that way, but uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, Ryan, it's one of the tweets that I sent you. It's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's not that, yep, next one, I think. So, uh, the day, I don't think, I don't want to lie and say it's the day of the shooting. I think it's the day after the shooting. And this is not Mitch McConnell. Team Mitch is his the the campaign arm uh, yes. of of his reelection campaign. So I'm not saying that he sat down to do this, but uh, the people who work for him did post this picture with uh, for those watching on YouTube. There's a smiling Mitch McConnell, very handsome man on the right, <laughs> and uh, the Grim Reaper of Socialism. And then it uh, has a tombstone for his opponent, and I actually forget her name. Amy McGrath. Yeah, I, I knew the Amy part. Yeah. So yeah, Amy McGrath. And this, you know, I mean, look, you can call a lot of things tone deaf, but this is just like somebody needs to pay attention to what's going on in the news. If if you feel like you want to, you know, declare death to socialism, you know, at least wait two days. I mean, I m- maybe put a pin in it for a little while. Right. That hysterical graphic is going to be fine, you know, in a week or so. And I, you know, so look. and Or but, Halloween. For, Do it for Halloween. Yeah. You know? But legitimately, obviously, this... 
more so than Donald Trump, this is this is the guy who could actually make sure. change. He has he has no vested interest in doing it. But uh, Scott, I wanted to since since you're you know such uh, mm-hmm. such a Twitter friend of his and you tweet <laughs> at him so often, I, I wanted to kind of make sure we touched on the role that he could play if he chose to. Uh, Mitch McConnell, we're talking about. Well, look, I. I don't agree with people going and, and you know, I get, I, I agree if they're protesting, but when you start asking, you know, telling uh, we should rip his heart out and things like that, it, it goes too far and it plays right into their hands, like you uh, said. Also, outside somebody's house um, makes me nervous because I feel like at an event outside of his office, sure. but outside of his home, I mean, you know, sure, his wife has terrible taste. She married Mitch McConnell, but, you know, what, what does she need that in her life for? Well, she's also corrupt. Yeah, well, and, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so but, the two of them but that's still the point, but, you know. But yeah, so I think it's wrong to play into those the hands. But it, like I've said before, the next year is going to be the dirtiest we've ever seen across the board for political races because we we thought it was bad in 2016. We've seen nothing yet in comparison. But um, uh, you know, the, the the issue is he could do a lot of things and he doesn't. And to get him, he's so entrenched, and I think he never has to worry about because he's like as long as he can keep the majority, he feels that he can coast to re-election in Kentucky, even though his approval ratings are abysmal there, uh, not only across the board, but they're, you know, nationwide, but they're really bad in Kentucky. But again, it's such a Republican state. I think he feels he can continue to do whatever he wants and he doesn't have to pay the price for it. And unless he had to pay the price for it, he would be more willing to compromise. But right now his game has been, and it's worked for him very well over the past, you know, four years is to obstruct and do everything possible when it came to when Obama was in office to then be able to do what he could to get the Supreme Court in the conservatives' favor. So he has no reason at all whatsoever to compromise or do anything uh, to make a difference at all unless he himself feels that he's either going to lose the Senate or he, he himself is going to lose re-election in Kentucky, which is going to be a tough fight for that to happen. Uh, Tamara, another issue that uh, came up over the weekend is that uh – Kamala Harris and uh, somebody else that I don't have my notes correct correct yes. in front of me, but there were a couple of uh, fundraising emails that went out uh, very quickly and sort of using the tone of the shootings happened and, you know, we need to, you know, I, I they were directly tied in. Uh, what do you think? And, you know, I'm giving you sort of a very vague setup, but just generally speaking about having a fundraising email tied to uh, tragedy, because I, I saw the, you know, the the quotes that come in very quickly when you see that is uh, Democrats will the the quote that I saw was Democrats will always say, uh, let no tragedy go to waste. That was what I saw tied to these articles mm-hmm. uh, about the fundraising. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's. I, I don't. I didn't see what specifically had was said in these emails, um, but you know, it is an opportunity for for candidates to take advantage of of voters who feel helpless at this point and say, you know, like that's that's such a huge emotion when when these shootings happen is that you just feel so helpless, and so you can. Um, Say, you know, if you feel helpless, maybe throw five dollars mm-hmm. to my campaign. That would be a way to make, you know, I promise you I will put these things into motion. Uh, and on day one, if I'm elected, kind of thing. And, yeah. And pull at that, uh, uh, I don't say vulnerability, but. So yeah. the the business the business side of campaigning, I would say, you know, yeah, you got to do those things. But it right. is, it is, you know, 
a little a gross to be, you know, mm-hmm. using using a, a national tragedy for your own personal gain. It's it's just a double-edged sword because it's kind of like, well, you kind of have to because that is the time when people want to will are will listen to you and donate and, you know, do all of the things that you need them to do, but also, you know, it does it does seem gross and tone deaf and uh, uh, your, um, yeah, like taking advantage of a tragedy. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Kamala Harris email, I've looked it up specifically, was saying to split a donation between her campaign and the uh, Gabby Giffords organization. And I, I think the easy fix there is like, you just donate money. If 100%. you were thinking, if you were thinking yeah. of giving money to me, go ahead right. and give that to Gabby Giffords mm-hmm. uh, associated. You know, the, the money that Kamala Harris is going to get from that email is, is not anywhere near worth, you know, being characterized in that way. Uh, somebody that I'm uh, always very quick to disparage amongst the Democratic candidates is uh, Beto O'Rourke, who I think it also, I'm fully aware that that could have been staged to, for by a guy who's really low in the polls. But mm-hmm. my thinking, the way I perceive it is, I'm like, that might have been the the only time we've ever seen him be real. You know, just being that angry when mm-hmm. he was asked. Yeah, obviously, because he's and, a Texan. Right, well, he's this, from El Paso. That's right, his exactly. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And the same so. thing, the same thing about uh, which way on, on taking, you know, using this tragedy for your benefit or... I feel the same way towards that as I do with, um, like, for example, Beto saying, we don't want you here in El Paso, Trump, don't come here. Because on one hand, you know, I do understand that, like, for people, people who despise Trump in that area already feel so, you know, just hurt and trampled on. And for him to come there just seems like such just insult to injury. But at the same time, it's like if we are actually going to make strides bipartisan strides to you know stop dividing ourselves like i don't think leaders should tell trump not to come there look if if one family member of someone who was shot he gets to talk to president trump and it 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 doesn't it won't make them feel better but if it's like a moment it's like oh my voice is being heard if it's appreciated on that level then it doesn't matter what better O'Rourke thinks you know because if 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 the it's when you start to get, you know, relatives of victims, and that's not what I've seen in this case. But you've seen that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, you yeah, don't come. You yeah. know, we don't want to talk to you. Well, you know? I think it, it kind of comes with no matter who the president is. The Well, first of all, there, there's an issue that it supposedly hasn't paid back the city for, for his rally there. And the, the amount of money they spent, like, was $600,000. For security detail and everything, so you know, there's already bad taste in some people's mouths if he has not actually paid that back, and 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 that's frustrating. But when you think of a president on either party, the amount of logistics and 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 power that goes into it with with the vehicles and the security details and everything else, that it becomes more of a hindrance than a help. And you, you hear this not even just after horrible man-made disasters like uh, you know mass shootings, but also after natural disasters, after hurricanes and and other uh, wildfires and and and, and such uh, that. Uh, a president being there ends up being more of a distraction than actual help because now the mm. people that are there that are on the ground trying to help out and make a difference are now being assigned to his security detail and you know directing traffic and all the other things that go into the logistics of bringing a president in with all but, their people that it doesn't really comfort and that's but that's Obama not what Beto's or, pointing out when he says don't come here yeah I, I, well I, yes but I think part of it is the fact that it is more of a distraction when you have all the, all that coming in and if he has not paid back his bills to the city I think you know it is unfair to come in and now. 
you know. Yeah, the the point you're making, that. I understand that. Like during a you know after a hurricane, it's like, could you please not come right. here right now? Yeah. And that's throwing, throwing paper towels is not going to solve But, that, but I'll, I'll even say that that would be for any president. It's like you know what? Mm-hmm. Why don't you come next week or next month? Yeah. But uh, today is not a good day. We're a little outside the area. You don't have to come right up because of what you're talking about. You know, I mean, you can you look. There's. Uh, we could, we could do shows on uh, President Bush's handling of Katrina, right. but what, he flew over it. You know, he didn't actually mm-hmm. go there. I mean, I don't I don't know where he said Brownie was doing a heck of a job, but that wasn't right there. Mm-hmm. Where you would be diverting away people who need to be working on on these sort of things, and uh, you know, an infrastructure that's uh, already uh, overtaxed. Uh, so we we do only have a few more minutes. But I, I, I did want to talk about this idea that it was sort of a CNN fact checking. Uh, did did President Trump make it easier for people with mental illness to buy guns? So I think that because there was uh, a, a regulation that went into place for uh, an Obama era uh, that went into place, I guess like two days before Trump's inauguration, and it uh, appears to not be in the place. Uh, I. I don't. I, I think that that's one of those things that it's hard to characterize. Like, well, President Trump sat down to like write a bill. Like, I want to make it easier for people with mental illness to buy guns. So I always, uh, you know, look the, the the media is sometimes culpable in these sorts of things. But I, you know, it's. It, I guess it's apparently. It's apparently n- not as cut and dried as that because that was that Obama era law was something that the uh, ACLU and disability groups were against this rule. So this, you know, and this wasn't something that this is just something that I guess Trump uh, did away with. Well, the con- yeah, Congress yeah. did when they had unified control, so it right. was like day two, and it was taken out of context a bit. It was, yeah. It's a very specific. Amount of people that were affected, like 70, 75,000 people, and there is still a mental health clause in effect federally. But the point is that is still pretty loose, and that mental health that's a federal should should probably be tightened as well, and there should be more added to it. But I understand kind of the side of ACLU and disability because it was very specific and counted out a, a lot of people. Um, with certain types of depression and eating disorders and things of that like, but um, it, it, it wasn't as cut and dry. But it, but it it does leave the bad taste in people's mouths, even even so, because the second day that Republicans have unified control, that's something they did to overturn right. this. And granted, it might have not been as cut and dry as you said, but it still looks very bad to say, okay, we're we're overturning this, and instead of maybe doing studies or other things they could do before overturning it um, specifically, but. Yes, I mean, that is correct to some degree, and, and it is easy and more sensational to put that as a headline mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, something right. else. And well, and you're able to cut down on the number of words you use. Uh, one other thing <laughs> that I want to make sure that... That, that was we, before Twitter had all the extra characters, right. too. <laughs> one of the other things I wanted to uh, make sure that we talked about, sort of, we don't know what the answer is, and this is just legitimately a question. This is a headline that I saw from USA Today. So after the El Paso Walmart shooting... Texas is now going to welcome guns in mosques, churches, and on school grounds. And there, you'll have people who feel very strongly that, you know, the, there was the church shooting last year, a couple years ago, where I guess the guy across the street heard it and ran into the church with his gun and stopped the guy who was shooting it. So you always have those examples. And 
just very gut reaction, Tamara, I'll ask you first. Do you think that that will help this problem? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the you El Paso allow- shooter was was stopped within... How, how quickly was, was he shot? They, they first shot him, I think, in less than 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But it, <laughs> no. Because the police were there. Yeah. That's, right, exactly. That's so. going to make no difference. Um and I would say 100% not either. And one, I don't want to live in a society where we're in the Wild West where everyone... Because then the other issue is, when the police come, it sometimes takes a bit to know who's the good person yeah. with the yeah. gun and the bad person. And now you're cross-shooting and other yeah. people are getting hurt. And, and the good person we with the gun is now shot. and skins. And killed. Yeah. There's no way of and, and so it's just... It, it, uh, that's just such a ridiculous argument that I hear every time because it's the same thing. It's like having more guns doesn't make you safer because the the likelihood is people are going to mishandle those guns and when the police come it's hard to tell who's the good or bad guy who wants to be around all the cross shooting nobody wants to live in a wild west environment especially in places that you should be able to go to like a school or mosque or church or temple and those places should maybe think about having secured uh, armed guards i'm not necessarily 100 percent comfortable with that but that's up to an individual location if they feel that way but someone who's purposely trained and knows what's going on day in and day out at these particular we locations all, before just having random people with good people with weapons. We already have such a, an issue right now mm-hmm. with trained police officers mm-hmm. mishandling guns due to various reasons. And that is already... that we're, We would just be escalating that. Right, a right. Wild West mentality that I don't, don't think serves the purpose for any of us. Well, we can continue that conversation next week. If you're watching the archive version, leave your comments on, well, on any of this, but on that issue in particular. Uh, very interested in the people who feel very strongly that, yes, that will make a difference. I mean, uh, it's, a, you know, it's, it's not a commonly held opinion, but uh, there is someone who studies these things, a man named John Lott, who has a book that came out about 15, 10, 15 years ago called More Guns, Less Crime, and he has statistics that he feels back it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people disagree. So, mm-hmm. it, again, these are the kind of conversations that I wish people would have more often. Like, tell us why you think that this is going to be helpful, and then somebody else tell you why it's not. So, we will be back next Wednesday at our usual time, 4 o'clock. We will not be on Tuesday. And we will see you at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. If you are listening on iTunes, please leave a comment there. Mm -hmm. We would appreciate that. And we will be sure to shout you out on the show. But also, if you're leaving your comments on YouTube, we'll share them there. But, Scott, where can people keep in touch Uh, with you between uh, now and our next show? They can find me on Twitter at SMAN80. That's SMAN80. And when you... Are criticizing Mitch McConnell. Yes. You're much more civil than those protesters. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're, you're just calling him out. Yes. Uh, and Tamara, where can people find you? Hey, Tamara underscore on Twitter. And you can find me at Christian DMZ. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Trump Report ABTV. That is all the time for now. But uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Our founder Kevin Undergaro and me Maria Menunos would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 